As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. Welcome to this week's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I have the distinct pleasure to be revisited by a guest here in the studio, Mehmet Yuksik. Mehmet is the president of Riley Foods based in New Orleans, Louisiana. Mehmet, thank you for rejoining us for this week's episode. Great to be with you, Mike. So, Mehmet, one of the things that we covered quite a bit back in episode seven, this week we're releasing episode 148. I remember standing in your office three plus years ago where you were saying, Mike, whatever I can do to support you to help get this brand off the ground, and you have remained committed to the Talent Magnet Institute and helping us do that. And for that, I'm so very thankful and grateful for you. It's been just a pleasure, and it's been wonderful to see you and the rest of the team take this and then take it to where it is today. And I know ups and downs, but it's in the, going in the right direction. I'm so proud of it. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, we could not be here without leaders like you surrounding this brand and supporting us. And that's what we want to do today for our listeners. So we're, Mehmet and I are going to have a very in-depth conversation on leadership, on communication, on building the power of building tensions inside of our leadership teams to bring up healthy dialogue and conversations. Also, the power of strategy alignment and leadership support, leadership behaviors, the things that each one of us can do to help our organizations and people create greater alignment, greater trust amongst the organization, and ultimately greater outcomes for both personal goals and professional goals. So, Mehmet, I'd love for you to walk us through some of your thoughts around some of the most important aspects of what CEOs and presidents need to have in their minds, and also what our listeners who aren't in that role yet can learn and bring to their teams this week. So let's start a little bit with creating, building trust. What have you learned over your experiences of the critical things of building trust inside of our organizations? Absolutely. As you said, it all starts with trust. That's the real, the foundation of any organization, any business, growing and thriving in its marketplace. For trust to come to life, it starts with, number one, intentional behavior on the part of the leader and the leaders. That is, you need to be every day, every month, every year, day in, day out, need to be intentional about walking the talk. So you need to show, you need to model the behaviors and you need to show people that actually you're walking the talk when it comes to the overall strategy as well as how we want to grow as a company. So being intentional, leading by example, modeling the behaviors, these are the things that build trust with your team, 
across the organization. People will only believe and then buy in to your vision, to the collective vision, when leaders really model the behaviors that they want the company, the overall organization to adopt. There was, I believe, also a research made on that, that transformations are five times more likely to succeed when leaders adopt and model the behaviors that they want to see in the organizations. And particularly for CEOs, it's even more critical. Their visual engagement and commitment is extremely critical to build that trust. Over the years, what I've learned, and sometimes it comes naturally to some people, to some people it really requires day in, day out commitment and work that you really need to be visible, accessible, approachable, and relatable as a leader. That's one of the most fundamental things about building trust-based relationships. And you would be surprised, um, you know, critical and how instrumental they become as you see the journey you take together with your team. Matt, as you think through the thinking about healthy conflict, right? So I, we often say on our podcast, including me using you as the example of this, because I've seen, I get the experience of lots of leadership teams and lots of individuals that feel the ripple effect from their leadership teams. And I always notice the leaders who invite healthy contention, the leaders who expect a little bit of conflict in the, in the board meetings, in the leadership team meetings, in the all team meetings, like we don't want complacency. If you see opportunity or you disagree, voice it, don't hold it in. And in most organizations, people hold it in. People don't feel that they can bring their ideas to the table. People don't feel that by bringing disagreement, healthy disagreement to the conversation, they don't feel it's welcomed. What we have seen is those that do typically are the most innovative, are the most creative, and are the most profitable organizations, as well as their trajectory of growth is faster than those that don't. So what have you learned along your journey of leadership? What have you seen modeled? And what have you experienced real time by inviting some healthy conflict and setting the tone that I don't want everyone to think right. like one. I want Absolutely. people to bring their own creative ideas. Right. Well, to your point, at times, you know, I really struggle to understand leaders when they kind of exhibit behaviors where they go into a room and they're like, I know it all, you know, I know it all, man, and we're going to do as I say, and then you're going to be just doers. So what is the point of building strong, high-performing teams, thinkers and doers, if you're not going to rely on your team, because it's all together, I mean, all, overall, this is a team sport. You're there to, to really guide, inspire, and motivate, and then make sure that they understand that you have their back. As long as everyone commits to the idea of being a learning organization and not repeating the same mistake twice, and then holding each other accountable. So taking a step back to your point, once we really invest in building trust-based relationships, across the organization. The next step is really about how do we engage in positive, constructive conflict 
You don't want to have your voice come back to you, echo to you. You want all the expertise and the experience and uh, critical thinking, strategic thought leadership to come in to shape the collective wisdom to be able to move forward in the right direction. So how do you bring that together? How do you harness it? And how do you teach at the same time the leaders across the organization to cascade that throughout the organization? You know, it's often said, I think at the end of the day, it really requires a number of things. You have to check your ego at the door. It's really about making sure that actually the totality is greater than individuals. You're going after that. So that's number one. Number two is, again, modeling the behaviors and making sure that your presence, your demeanor, your relation, you know, relational style, and overall leadership style is empowering and inspiring. There are times we read, I think one time I read, you know, culture takes over when CEO leaves the room, right? So when you leave the room, how do you leave people behind? Do they feel empowered or just empty? Do they feel inspired or just completely clueless about where you're going? And these are some very intentional thoughts that leaders should pay attention to. I think that that is uh, what uh, we, you and I, we've been talking about for years right now and trying to you know, influence people to take the right way. Yeah, right before you said what you just said regarding culture and leadership shows up of others when you exit the room, right? How does your team show up when you're not in the room? I was just thinking about that as you were talking. I remember sitting in a CEO roundtable that our organization was directing with a group of leaders, and you mentioned that in that roundtable, and it has stuck with me, right? So one of the things that's also pointed to was the difference between the golden rule and the platinum rule. And the golden rule, to be frank, is something that I had heard in the theory of for probably the first 15 years of my career. Only about five years ago did I start hearing about the platinum rule. So I think there's an ego dynamic here. So the golden rule, treat people as you would want to be treated versus the platinum rule, treat people as they would want to be treated, right? Think about the shift of mindset. So when you think, boy, if I were in their shoes, I would want to be more empowered. I would want a place to be able to voice my perspectives. I would want a place to be, feel valued, heard, and understood. I would want a place to bring my whole self. I would want a place to think most creatively and to have trust and not have to look behind my back of, are my ideas accepted here? Am I allowed to challenge my stat, the status quo? Am I allowed to push back a little bit on the strategy? Because I, I hear there could be another way based on what I'm hearing from our customers and my team and those we support and previous experience where that healthy contention brings people closer together because by asking tough questions and challenging perspectives, we create more clarity, which aligns more people. So thinking about how others, if you were in their shoes or as you're in Putting yourself in their shoes helps you think, am I being the kind of leader that I can be to bring out their best? And 
what you just unpacked, Mehmet, is a fantastic example and lots of learning. I'm sure you've seen, you've seen both personally, not just with the statistics that we read in Harvard and McKinsey studies, and, but you've seen it personally, the difference between those that do and those that do not. Absolutely. And there's so many things that play here. As you said, there's task focus people, leaders, and there are, you know, people focused leaders. But I think the, the combination is what makes it magical, right? You not only want to be efficient, but you also want to be effective. And as we always say, organizational health is prerequisite for sustained financial health in the mid to long run of any, any organization. Because otherwise, it becomes a one-time thing, and you cannot repeat it if you don't have the right organizational health. For that to happen, you need to take a step back and understand, why do you need all these bright minds around you? Not that you are going to give them and delegate them, do this and do that. No, it's about harnessing that collective wisdom. They're there for a reason. They're not only there to do things. They're for their strategic thought leadership skills. Right? And how do you bring it in? And at times, you need to be able to read the room at the same time. Not everyone is an extrovert. Some people are, you know, silent thinkers, and at times they're maybe not, you know, communicating. So how do you read the room? How do you, you know, manage that? How do you model those behaviors so that those who are observing you take it to other platforms and meetings and occasions in the organization and try to do the same thing, right? So that is very important. And again, it starts with trust. And then goes to modeling, making sure that people understand constructive conflict is good. And then they got each other's back. Vulnerability becomes very important. To what extent you want to be vulnerable? And then again, it starts with the leader. I mean, if you don't show to people that you don't have all the answers, you have to tell them that sometimes you don't have the answers. And actually, most of the time, leaders are... I think should be more valued for asking the right questions. You know, not that they're not bringing the answers. They're definitely bringing a lot of experience and wisdom, but it's not about their experience and their wisdom per se. It's about everyone coming together, making something bigger. So when you model that, when you show that you are being vulnerable, you're giving license to your people that actually they can be vulnerable with each other too. But that cannot happen if they don't trust each other and then they, they don't engage in that. And not everyone is comfortable with conflict. We have to take that into account too. I mean, it would be just wishful thinking to say that. Not everybody is. So there are different degrees of comfort. Uh, you know, knowing that is going to help you to bring that particular individual A as opposed to individual B. So, Mamet, you have been the president and CEO of organizations that one organization that's the largest family-owned confectionery company that's in the world that you've been running an entire country and countries for are a lot of our audience are family-owned and privately held businesses. You're the new president of a very successful multi-generational company, Riley Foods out of New Orleans. Though that particular category of family owned and privately held leaders in that space 
many of the family, we grow up thinking, I am one, that, you know, there's a point in time where we realize we're actually not supposed to have all the answers, right? And it is okay not to have all the answers. That's why you surround yourself with incredible people, with non-family board members, with non-family leadership teams. You bring as an outside non-family executive the ability to know that I, you need to bring your expertise as the president or CEO, but you also have to hire the best of the best and, and allow them to bring their best. So is there some perspective? At what point in your career did you recognize, wow, to be the best leader, I need to hire other people with even better solutions, more creative ideas, and put them on my team? Right. It's always a journey, but I think the pivotal moment for me was when I came to the U.S. 10 years ago to take over as the president and CEO of uh, Profitable Mel North America. Even though prior to U.S., I had worked in Italy, I had international experience, uh, traveled the world and worked with so many different people, wonderful, talented people around the world. U.S. was a, a game changer for me in the sense that uh, it put an, a mirror in front of me. You certainly walk into a position feeling great about yourself and saying that, you know, I'm going to bring a lot of value to this role. You rarely think about what you, what you don't have, uh, what you should have, but you don't have. You always think about, this, well, I have one, two, three, four. This is why they have me here, right? So I'm just going to, going to go for it. It's just a critical moment. You got to take a step back and think about, yes, there are certain, certain things that make you great and the right person for this role. But boy, there are also a lot of things that you don't know. And that change, even though I had technical knowledge, a certain knowledge about the U.S. market and the, uh, our organization, I came to a quick realization that it was way, way, you know, not adequate to be able to um, be successful as an organization. So that was a critical moment for me. And it took about a couple of years to realize that what got me there was not going to get me where I want to and where I needed to, where we as an organization wanted to be. And that's when I became more open than ever before asking for help and just anywhere between, you know, formal assessments and opinions to just any conversation I could make with my team members or trusted friends, you know, like you surrounding myself with the right people to tell me what I should keep doing, what I should stop doing and what I should start doing. I met there's some statistics that Harvard has put out over the years around strategy alignment, understanding of strategy, employee buy-in. So there's just a few. 5% of employees are aware of and or understand their company strategy, only 5%. Even in the top performing companies with clearly articulated strategies, 71% of employees cannot recognize their own company strategy in a multiple choice. Almost 90% of middle managers believe leaders frequently 
communicate strategy to employees, but communication is measured in the outputs of communication, not how well the communication is understood. How do we ensure we're not part of the negative side of that statistic? And how important is it to have a direct people focus to a business strategy? Because as you and I know, we attended a conference up in New York together on humanification, right? And the business does not happen without people. Surprise, right? So how do we ensure that people are aligned, that people understand their role, that people buy in and have clarity of the impact of what they can bring to the strategies of our organizations? This is such a critical point, man, that it's such a lost opportunity that, you know, the numbers that you're sharing with, with our audience. In my experience, it takes participation and involvement of everyone in the organization in the making of that strategy. In order for us to be able to execute it well, people need to understand clearly and they, they need to buy in to what exactly we're, we're committing to. It starts with that. So it's, strategy is not something that 10 people come to, you know, the 10 top leaders of the organization just come in and then they figure it out and then just share with the rest of the organization, say, here's what we're going to do, go and do it. No, that's not what it is. Yes, certainly it starts with the thought leaders in the organization, the leaders of the organization coming together and drafting something. But at the end of the day, you need to check that with your organization in general, get their input, get their feedback in terms of what do you think is right here? What do you think is is chaptered here? What do you think is redundant? What do you think is missing? Tell me your opinion. This is how we see it. These are some of the things important to us and we think important to the organization. So it is creating the right platforms, right occasions to bring everyone in. I'm not saying that you're going to go into a room with 300 people on two days and build a strategy. No, there are some practical, much more practical ways of doing that. So one way is what I have done over the years with my team certainly enrolling as many people as possible from the organization, from the get-go, but creating those touch points, those occasions, those platforms for other leaders and managers in the organization to voice their opinion and then get their input. So that is number one. Without that, it's not going to happen. You have to have that first. Number two is that how do you turn it into something living every single day. It is not just getting dust on a shelf or on a wall, right? How do you live that day in, day out? And how do you simplify it in a way that people, everyone in your organization is able to give a 30-second pitch, an elevator pitch to someone they meet for the very first time when that someone asks, what do you do? Why do you exist? What are you guys trying to achieve and accomplish? So that simplicity is so empowering and so clarifying at the end of the day that when you repeat it, it just gets you know reinforced over and over and over again and becomes even clearer. Have you walked into situations where there was a gap? There was a, well, I don't know if people really have clarity of what we're trying to accomplish or 
or have you mostly walked into organizations that did understand of the past, but you really needed to get people focused on our top things where we're spread out too thin and here's how we're going to win, right? How are we going to win? I have walked into all these different types of situations on one end, definitely no idea as to where we are, where we are going and how we're going to get there, whatever it is, just complete lack of clarity. And then maybe another situation where, yes, you have a grasp of where you're coming from and probably, you know, where you are to a certain extent and where you need to be, but it's just so loose and it is in patches. It is not whole. It is not aligned, disjointed, it feels. You just cannot really put your finger on it. And there are certain cases where there is certainly a very good you know, understanding of who we are, why we exist, and then what we should do. But we really need someone to help us to funnel that and make sure that we have a very clear and simple guiding set of principles to go after and to be on the same page. So they all exist. But I think overall, you certainly speak with more organizations than I ever do. And I believe the majority is in a place where there is not really any clarity as to where they are and where they need to you know, go. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest gaps is what you mentioned earlier, where most of the time, unfortunately, strategies are created in a vacuum. And we think that by putting it in writing, everyone's just going to magically align, right? They're just going to, oh, of course, they're going to line up to where we say we're going. Organizations, the majority of the ones that we walk into, some of their greatest challenge is that you can quickly feel, A, people don't have clarity. B, people weren't involved in the creation and really don't feel connected C, they don't feel the connection of how helping the organization achieve its mission, vision, and objectives also helps them achieve their personal mission, vision, and objectives. We miss that. I want to know what my team members have set for their personal goals and objectives. Because if once we align and show them, like, here's how we're going to help you achieve your dreams and objectives. And then here's ours as the organization. So that whole comment that you made earlier around it takes involvement of everyone to create the strategy. People have to have buy-in. Strategy is not something the 10 top leaders in the organization come in, figure out, and tell the rest of the organization, here's where we're going and we should all just get in line. That's the greatest gap. We typically tell people when we come in, you're going to experience a different model and dynamic when we're helping create strategy, because we're going to encourage you to think about all of your internal influencers. Who are the individuals that whether they're extroverted or introverted, people turn to in the organization because they're like, hey, what are what do you think about this? Do you think we can actually get this? Who are those influencers in your organization who need to have buy-in to create the ripple effect? right? 
and why not have people leaders in your organization provide them the tools to go out, take a couple extra weeks, provide your team the tools to go out into their functions and gain feedback and gain all of these multiple points of thoughtfulness, client alignment, product alignment, innovation. You know, how do you create what's really needed in the marketplace? And do these align to the strategies that we believe and where we're headed, right? I've seen it in organizations that you've led where people know my team's feedback is valued here. So therefore, we see people sharing things that get lifted up through the organization versus pushed down. And that's one of the greatest gaps. It also can be one of the greatest gifts that you can ever provide because people yearn for this right? People want to feel aligned personally and professionally. And without humans, nothing gets accomplished. No, it's the people, the foundation, as you said. And strategy is certainly very important. But again, it goes back to the earlier conversation we had. So you can have the best document in front of you, you can have the alignment, but if you are not driving the right behaviors, if you're not creating right atmosphere for people to engage as they execute the plan, some things are going to uh, go wrong. So that's something you need to get. Uh, I would say, uh, someone said, the strategy you know, without execution is hallucination. So once you have it, you have to really keep your eye on the ball. Execution is everything. And then this misguided sort of notion around, oh, I mean, you could be stuck in that strategy. That doesn't how that, that that's not how strategy works. It's about having a clear vision as to where you're headed. But that next step to that is your business planning, right? Every single whatever year, you know, your you know, fiscal year is your period is, but it's just one year or you know, three month period or whatever. You just basically execute the plan through smart, integrated business planning and execution. And then you pivot where you need to. You have some check-ins along the way. Again, the leaders, day in, day out, they have to walk the talk. They have to make sure that they are not sucking the air out, but actually bringing extra oxygen to the room for all these people to weigh in, be heard, and then have great sometimes tough conversations, but at the end, have an alignment and speak and walk with one voice. To me, alignment is, I always say that, alignment is much more important than agreement and consensus. We don't have to agree on everything. We may have differing you know, opinions on certain things and different degrees, but if we you know, align on what the best plan to move forward with, then that's how we're going to get it done. And that requires, again, some constructive uh, conversation and making sure that people are encouraged, empowered, and enabled to carry out those conversations and come to a clear conclusion and an action plan. Ahmed, let's talk about priorities for a second because you have been a continual encourager to me to, to look at, Mike, you've got too many things you're working on. You've got too many 
goals and objectives, right? I used to think like, you know, the new year, I go into the new year and I lay out 12 goals for the next year. This year, I've actually brought that down really to four, which four is maybe the fewest goals I've set for myself in my 20-year career. But I feel very crystal clear. So let's talk about that. If I'm a leader that's like, I'm trying to do all these things, right? And, and I think that the only way we're going to get to where we're going is we all have to put a lot of goals on the board and strive for them. What do you say to a leader to help them create clarity and the actual potential to achieve their objectives by streamlining and getting very focused on a few or only a couple of things? Right. I always subscribe to the idea that if you spend your life trying to be good at everything, you're not, trying, you're not going to be great at you know, anything. That's one way to look at it. People might disagree. But when it comes to business, it is critically important for you to have priorities and then focus. Focus for yourself, focus for your team, and focus for the organization. It's just too ambitious to go after 10 things at the same time. You're just going to drain everything out, yourself, your team, resources, and it, it, just, it just doesn't happen. You know, I said, said that a number of times, even though I believe in the power of three. Sometimes in terms of goal setting, it's not, you know, practical, but certainly anywhere between three to five top priorities for an organization, you know, to go after is, I believe, is a sweet spot. So it really requires discipline, daily discipline to stick to that rule. It is so easy to get distracted, to get tempted to look at many things around you that happens, you know, becomes urgent, becomes shiny, and then you're really distracted. It's just so easy to get distracted. So you really have to exercise that discipline every single time. Also ask your team members to hold you accountable to that discipline. Said, if I am getting derailed here, you see that I am not following this, just warn me, you know? get me back, pull me back. So I would do the same thing for them. So it is so, so important. Yeah. And I think what you just said is critical to this discussion. So think about if you're joining my Matt and I today, think about, do your people feel safe enough to come to you and say, Hey, I've, I've noticed the topics you've been bringing up the last few days or the last couple of weeks are kind of are off what you mentioned your top goals were. Do your people know your focus and top goals? And do you know theirs? It's more likely that you know theirs than that they know yours. And are they able to push the button and say, hey, you know, I just want to let you know, here are the objectives that we said we were going to do in the first quarter. Here are the big rocks and foundations we laid out for the new year for this month. And here's a couple things you've mentioned that feel like they could easily derail the team because of focus. Because in your role as a people leader, people listen and watch what you do. You can say one thing, but people are watching your behavior and they may even follow suit. So I know I've been in the scenario in my past where people were trying to pick up everything that was going on because I was laying things down and leaving little crumbs everywhere that kind of made the team go, I have no idea where we are, right? 
I now, over the last several years, one, because of the gentleman joining me in the studio today, Mehmet Yuksik, have worked really hard on being much more focused and also being very open so that Mehmet can speak into me when he hears me bringing up things that sound like they might be off plan or that my team can come to me and say, hey, can we talk in our one-on-one? Here's a couple of things we've noticed. Transparency and trust is built in those moments. And if people aren't doing that for you, they might be bringing it up outside of when you step out of the room, right? Mehmet mentioned earlier that culture and leadership shows up when the leader leaves the room. I want cultures for each and every one of you. We want cultures for each and every one of you that people feel confident enough to bring their thoughts, concerns, questions to the table and not be judged because of what they're bringing up. So few leaders enable this. So few leaders have created this that's become a gift to the organization. This is a gift. Feedback and transparency is a gift, not a question of authority, but it can feel to some, well, don't challenge me because you know they're hitting on your ego. They're hitting on, that's not a place where you create a safe environment where people feel empowered, valued, understood. I can tell you personally, it elevates an organization when you set up a culture like this. Mehmet, any last parting words to the leaders who are joining us today? I'm certain, I know even for myself, how many nuggets of wisdom I've picked up. You know, I love one of the quotes you put, strategy without execution is hallucination. Alignment is much more important than agreement and consensus. Simplicity is so empowering, clarifying at the end of the day. And how do you turn strategy into something we are living every single day? Any other thoughts that you would like to leave our audience with? I'll just repeat and probably underline a couple of things we said at the very beginning. Just make sure, I and speaking to the leaders, just make sure that day in, day out, you walk the talk. You model the behavior, and you're very disciplined about it. You set the expectations, and you set the bar high for your organization. But first and foremost, you strive to reach that bar every single day, to be able to expect that from your organization. So that is extremely critical. And just make sure that you're investing to be visible, accessible, and approachable, and that people feel people feel trusted, and people feel valued, people feel empowered and enabled in that organization, working with you and with the rest of the organization. It all starts with us and with me and with the leaders in the organization. And then you will see how liberating and refreshing it's going to be and how also effective it's going to be. It's a journey. It's a journey, but it's a a journey worth taking. There is nothing that Mehmet and I want more for each and every one of you listening to take some of these nuggets of wisdom and bring them into your own leadership. We've committed together. Again, Mehmet is a fantastic partner and advisor with the Talent Magnet Institute. There's nothing our organization wants more 
than to help you succeed in relationships, work, community, and life. And we know that the things, the wisdom that we've shared today keep you away from some of the negative statistics that you might be facing or could face if you don't take these steps. Mehmet, you wrapped up that it's a journey worth taking. We say often, as you know, that leadership is a journey and no one should walk it alone. We're just a couple clicks away from being a great resource for you to continue to encourage and inspire. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Ask that you continue to subscribe if this is your first visit to the Talent Magnet podcast. We also encourage you to share this with colleagues, share this with your team. Use this as a tool and a resource to help you strengthen your core and to help your organization and your people bring out its greatest good. Mehmet, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure and privilege to spend this time with you and with your audience. I wish everyone the very best and let's make it a great 2021 and beyond. And we look forward to our next episode. You have a great rest of your day. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.